As much presidential elections loom, voters in Moscow will receive text messages from the Election Commission. This is the first time the authorities have used text messages alerts as a way to remind voters to turn up their nearest polling station and cast their vote. A senior Russian government official has linked the country's sluggish economic performance to poor Russians with low purchasing power. Although Russia climbed out of recession in 2017 and is on track to achieve 2% GDP growth despite low oil prices and Western sanctions, official data indicates that real wages have decreased for four years in a row. Deputy Prime Minister Olga Gladiets warned that economic development would face serious difficulties if the decline in wages was not reversed. A 73-year-old amateur astronomer from Adigir in Russia made his dream come true of owning his own planetarium. The construction of the building started back in 1999. It took it 18 years to complete. The astronomer used improvised items such as pots, balls and lamps to represent the celestial bodies. Moscow has the second worst traffic jams in the world. That's according to a study by the Arnix Analytics Company. According to the report, a driver in Moscow spent 91 hours in traffic last year, or about 26% of total driving time, the RBC Business Daily cited reporters saying. At rush hour, Moscovites spent 34% of their time stuck in traffic. Only Los Angeles, where drivers spent 102 hours a year in traffic, was worse than Moscow. And a Moscow woman claims she suffered a hand fracture as a result of falling on an allegedly wet floor at a McDonald's restaurant and demands a compensation from the fast food chain. The 500,000 ruble payout the woman is seeking includes 200,000 rubles for the medical expenses and the rest of the sum is moral damage. Eight points out of possible ten on the roads this hour. Driving time to and from Vnukovo Airport is about one hour and 30 minutes both ways. 50 minutes to Sharmiechiba, 55 minutes to the city. Over and out of the Madiadavam. One hour and 35 minutes from the airport to the city centre. Weather. 9 degrees Celsius in Seattle, 3 in Shanghai, 26 in Singapore. It's cloudy here in Moscow, the temperature standing at minus 7 degrees Celsius. And that's it from me, Yule Bokva. Do stay tuned for more. Capital FM, Moscow. The one and only English-speaking station in Moscow. It's February 7th, we're back in the studio and hope you're ready to have your world rocked. This is the best hour of sports in Russia with the very best news, views, previews, interviews and reviews in media. We are, of course, mainland Europe's number one and this is Capital Sports and it wouldn't be Capital Sports without the lovely lady sitting beside me. It's Ekaterina Bishkova. Welcome back. Oh, well, it's not very well, warm welcome. Well, <laughs> I mean, the snow <laughs> greeted you after your little break down south in Greece. So, listen, what do you make of the Australian Open? We discussed it here last week without you. Seriously? You did? Yeah, yeah, we did. We oh, did, yeah. Oh, whoa, good job. Well, what's my opinion? Actually, Roger Federer was planned to be a winner. So yeah, I think he, he was meant a winner, to be a winner. Yes. And, okay, Karolina Wozniacki was quite a surprise, honestly, and was like, I think, amazing women's final which they played with Simona Halep and it was like twice more interesting as you know the story they both were like fighting for number one and they both were fighting for first single um, Grand Slam Grand Slam singles yeah. title yeah. Mm -hmm. and uh, it was like kind of intrigue and drama and everything all together and it was like beautiful final 
seriously, I don't remember such a beautiful final in women's draw since um, maybe Kim Clijsters or someone like this, you mm -hmm. know, and Serena. I, and, okay, Serena always played good matches, mm -hmm. but uh, it's always like easy. But here it was perfect. So Carolina did like perfect job. And surprised everyone, let's yeah. say like this. Well, mm -hmm. I mean, it was it was a good end to the Australian Open. Uh, okay, we're going to come yeah, back. Yeah, but she saved bit. like second round. She saved like six, four or five match points exactly. against. Exactly. Like, so it was yeah. a it was a it was a it was a turn up for the books. We didn't see it coming for sure. Um, okay, so we're going to uh, get on with the show. And of course, coming up, we have English Premier League football. We have rugby. We have a bit about the Winter Olympics as well. A look back in the Super Bowl. We have a call. All going well out to Siberia to Timentu Andrew Flint, uh, senior writer with these football times, and of course in the studio with us we will have uh, Nikito Sokin of the well, the kind of well, I let him say this, the Centre for Sports <laughs> Research, Strategic Sports Research, sorry, in Plekhanov University. So, uh, yeah, so we had the Super Bowl this past weekend. We also has a bit of chess. Chess. Yeah, I know. I yeah. was surprised. Like, if, when what, I what chess, happened? I know. I know. I had to cover a chess competition. So it was the 14th Moscow Open. It took place last week out at the Russian State Social University, and we will have interviews coming up with the president of the International Chess Federation, or FIDE, and the Russian Grandmaster, the youngest ever Grandmaster, Sergei Karyakin. That's in the next segment. Uh, at the very end of it all, we're going to have a, like a great wrap up and a chat with um, Andrew Flint and with Nikita Sokin. Uh, but let's go start off with football. So Man City they dropped two points away to Burnley, and their cross town rivals United took a full advantage by beating Huddersfield Town two 0 at Old Trafford. Arsenal they also got a win again, trouncing Everton five one. Swansea City they kept up their survival fight with a one one draw in Leicester on Sunday. Liverpool and Spurs played out a two two draw at Anfield. Liverpool were well they were pretty unlucky not to win and to get basically two points away to their visitors uh, it had been a very very good chance for Liverpool to make up ground on the leaders and Newcastle and Crystal Palace also drew one all on Sunday on Monday there was a result that might mean the big snow <laughs> snowdown between two big <laughs> egos showdown. might not happen exactly. what happened the big snowdown exactly uh, well Chelsea yeah, they, they were away to Watford everywhere the exactly. snowdown <laughs> and um, you know I thought it was going to be a pretty straightforward win for the visitors but they were absolutely humiliated like beaten out the gate 4-1 uh, and Conte might go yeah he yeah the rumours are there about it he said that he was waiting to face Mourinho again a lot they, of rumours by the way exactly yeah, like, these guys just do not like each other but you know he did actually he said it like he was looking forward to, to facing uh, Mourinho in the future um, when you of course when Chelsea play United again but um, I don't know I, you know it was a kind of thing like don't look past the person who's in front of you. Don't look forward to the next game. Just play who's in front of you. Beat them and uh, then move on. Uh, so, a year on from winter league and Conte could be gone. And Wenger, hung on. Yeah, I know. We've been discussing Wenger <laughs> yeah, quite a bit. Definitely. Yeah, We started with uh, Mourinho. But like Wenger, you know, he well, seems to have done some good deals in the transfer market. Uh, we will discuss a bit later, but they have that North London Derby on Saturday. And if he wins that, well, you know, I don't see him getting sacked this year. How is the league table looking now? Yeah, like just, well, we don't have it in front of us, unfortunately. But uh, it's City are on top. They are 13 points. Like they're they're well, being caught a little bit by United. United are in second place, of course. Liverpool, they're third, five points further back. Chelsea are only a point behind Liverpool, and Spurs one further back in fifth. So three points covering those three: Liverpool, Chelsea, and Spurs. Arsenal. Well, they're yeah, they're a bit further <laughs> back. They're four points. Well, they are catching up a wee bit. Uh, they're four points behind Spurs. Burnley, they're nine points shy of Arsenal. Then you're down to Leicester and Bournemouth, who are chasing them for kind of European places. Watford's win that gave them a bit of a boost and pushed them into eleventh place. But they're you know they're only you know ten points ahead of West Brom, who are rock bottom. 
Still a tight button, by yeah, the way. Yeah, <laughs> still a tight bottom. Uh, okay, so West Brom are struggling, but above them... <laughs> stop laughing. Above them is tight at the bottom. <laughs> You've got Huddersfield on 24 points. The same total... Don't make that signal with your hands, please. I can see in the corner of my eye. <laughs> They're in the same total as Stoke and Swansea. And there's a point splitting those three from Newcastle. Um, yeah, so listen, one bad game. It could put them It could put them all in. Yeah, tell us. How is going to... I'll run this one down. So, okay, forget Wat- Watford. West Ham, they're in 12th place. Uh, Brighton are 13th and Leicester... Uh, sorry, uh, Crystal Palace are 14th. And they all have 27 points. So two wins, for example, for Huddersfield uh, means that each of these clubs need to win their next two games to... You know, avoid getting dragged into a, rele- a relegation dogfight. Um, <laughs> as Alex Ferguson called it, it's squeaky bum time. Oh, explain. We need some explanation. <laughs> I know, after a tight bottom. Uh, listen. Of course. So, a squeaky bum time, it's when you're sitting on the bench and you're moving around on a plastic seat and you're squirming because of the pressure. Okay, let's leave it there. Okay, looking ahead to this week's action, please start, speak now. Stop laughing. Okay, at 3.30, Arsenal and Spurs look to get bragging rights and chase the top two. The late game in Man City at home to Leicester City kicking off at 8.30. But you'll be watching something else. Yeah, well, I'm going to watch the West Ham Watford match. That's at, uh, kicking off at 6 o'clock. It's going to be interesting, but I'm not sure, you know, how it's going to go. But I, you know, I will... I will all mm, pretty likely I'll watch the Arsenal Spurs game as well ok we also have on Sunday three matches are down for decision biggest of them is Newcastle versus Menu at 5.15 that's a biggie that is a biggie and I know that we have a, a regular listen show he'll be uh, you know Miss, Mr. Johnny he'll be he'll be listening to that or watching that <laughs> one uh, that will be good one to watch Mourinho he, he sees this chance to catch City and a win in the North East that is just exactly what the doctor ordered ok the other biggie is Southampton and Liverpool if, and it's only if as Southampton are not doing so well, if Liverpool fall, fail to win. If they fail to win, well, it's curtains drawn and quartered. Uh, they can't afford another slip. They really cannot. Them dropping two points against Spurs, uh, Spurs that was literally, literally snatching a draw from the jaws of victory. It's not good enough to stay at the top of the table. So, you know, they, they, they cannot lose against, or they can't drop a point. They can't drop a point at all against uh, Southampton. Uh, Monday is Chelsea hosting West Brom and you can't see anything other than a home win, can you? No, no, <laughs> I can't, I can't. Look, Chelsea are flaky, but Albion are just the type of victim they need. I'm sorry about that Matt who's listening in and sending a message that he thinks that West Brom are going to win. No, that's not the truth. Uh, I think Chelsea will win that by a couple of goals. Okay, and now, a little bit of interest, we know, was raised by transfers and last week there was a few interesting signings as we are on air, or deadline, on deadline then, mm-hmm. and some <laughs> unsurprising non-transfers. Here to discuss it with us is a good friend of the show, senior researcher of Plehanov University Center of Strategic Research in Sport, Nikita Sokin. Woohoo! Welcome, Nikita. <laughs> hey, Kata. Hey, Alan. Thanks for having me back. It's great to be here. Capital FM listeners, thanks for tuning in. Yeah, it's, it, it, we're going to... First thing I'm going to bring up is about the uh, the non-transfers that we discussed last week of this like whole nonsense of Smolov going to West Ham, which was never going to happen. We said it on air over and over again, but nobody listened to us. Well, once it's, it hasn't happened, you can say that it was never supposed to happen. But Well, we said it even before. We went against the grain and I tweeted about it. I said, look, guys, he's not going to move. That's it. West Ham weren't even interested in him. Like, they kept saying, oh, they're negotiating, but 
no, when we asked West Ham for a comment, they said, and this was inside the club, they're like, no, we're not negotiating with Krasnodar. That was it. So it was a kind of a made-up story. And so it was kind of a commercial move or what? I think they're still trying to force him for a move. I mean, this I'm going to ask you, Nicky, do you, do you reckon, will he move up to the likes of Spartak or Zenit? Um, I think that's highly unlikely because I think Smolov is one of those players that, that actually has declared publicly that he's interested in playing abroad outside of Russia. And Smolov, of course, being fluent in English, is said to be one of those Russian players that actually is poised to be successful in Europe. And I think the main reason why he hasn't moved in this transfer window is the World Cup because there is a risk that he would not be able to play full-time football if he moved to another club, especially West Ham with the problems that the club was in having and with the amount of competition that the club has currently in the in the attacking lineup. Exactly. Well, that's the whole thing. I mean, because it'd be bad for Russia. He goes over there, he doesn't get his game, loses form, and plus as well, I mean, all, all, all respect to, to Fyodor. I mean, uh, he was actually in the gym with Andy Farmer, another friend of the show not too long ago, <laughs> but the... Well, a, a, a gym in Moscow, and they're working up beside each other. Um, and I mean, as good a player as he is, he is kind of a bit of a flat track bully. If you look, even just I, I said this before, like if you look at his goal scoring record this season alone, he's not really he's not done it against the big teams in Russia. He was anonymous against uh, Lokomotiv. He he, I think he's knocked in ten goals, but there most of them are I think seven of the, his ten goals are against the worst teams in the division. So it, it he's. Like he was injured at the start of the season, struggling for form, and I don't know. So I really. What, why was it even about negotiating or like? Well, that's getting just, some. That's just one point of view. I yeah. mean, in retrospect, you could say that he's the one that helps actually the club uh, get those three points where they actually need to get those three points. True. Which is not uh, like some clubs that are able to do that. And I think that the winter transfer window has been a good warm-up you know, for a campaign of advertising for Smola for Europe because this is actually the first time that some sort of concrete uh, and substantial facts have been given towards a real possibility of Smola going outside of Russia to play in Europe. And with the World Cup building up and Smola probably being a, star a starting attacker for the Russian national team and with the Russian national team I hope ha having a really nice streak at the World Cup that could actually boost Smolov's chance and also a bit even overvalue Smolov's transfer fee, which would be beneficial for everyone involved. Oh, Krasner! I mean, well, that's the whole thing. I mean, you know, every every transfer window, they're saying he's going to go. Like Borussia were chasing him, but Borussia didn't know about him, and then Real Madrid were chasing him. They didn't know. It, it's it, I, I always kind of get a bit worried because even with Promise, I mean, right before the transfer window closed. It was declared Southampton said we don't want them, which was great because I think going to Southampton would be a waste. Just do it on FIFA, you know, this PlayStation. I think, I think you see, there's a lot of <laughs> do stuff. a simulation yeah, before exactly. they yeah. transfer. Yeah. So they, that's why it's like always like they have discussion online and <laughs> that's it. And these guys, like your guys, kind of like on, on Twitter and they're playing football manager going, yeah, let's buy Federer for 15 million. <laughs> yes. What? 15 He's bitcoins. A full international. <laughs> yeah, bitcoins. <laughs> It's like 10 bitcoins, but this is, it was, for me, it was ridiculous that he would go to West Ham, like 15 million. Even and more expensive. It's, yeah. <laughs> that's why you had this kind of face. No, <laughs> okay, one bitcoin, whatever. It was enough. It was enough bitcoins. But, um, <laughs> but anyway, mo moving on from that, I mean, there the are so many huge transfer with, like, fees that went through, like Coutinho and so on. Um, I know we're, we're working on an article this about, uh, about being a bubbler. So do you, do you think that, you know, some of these players are being overvalued? Like, will they make money back from their clubs? Well, uh, essentially, a player in a contract of a player, it's an asset. And like in financial terms, an asset is supposed to bring you income, bring you money. And so 
it is a real question of whether or not the value of 100 million or 200 million player transfers is actually worthwhile. And, I mean, my professional opinion would be no, it's not, and that is actually overinflated <laughs> and overvalued. And we're seeing a real concern, and what I'm mostly surprised is about what you said about the transfer that didn't happen, and I would actually expect Paris Saint-Germain to make a few transfers because they have a real problem with the financial fair play, and they might actually risk uh, being left without Champions League football for next year. If they Could they be banned if they don't balance the books? Yeah, they've already been... Uh, they got a warning, and, I know. Yeah, but. they've already got a warning from UEFA, from UEFA's financial control body, that I have to uh, at least sell players for about $100 million. And plus, they've got uh, a payment due for Kylian Mbappe, because right oh, now Mbappe right, is pay, pay, paying on loan. Yeah. yeah. And they have... A, a, and his buyout clause is about 180 million euros. So he either goes back to Monaco or they pay the money. Yeah, that's right. That, so I mean, look, it's, it's... So they have to make the transfers and if they haven't done this this transfer window, which is, I guess, set up for their Champions League campaign, which is coming up. So we're going to see a lot of players going out of phase You D. think this summer, it, like, yeah. there's going to be a big clear out? Definitely, yeah. That's, I mean, because it looks like that with, like, your club, Dynamo, as well. It looked like there was going to be a clear out. They, they got rid of Pogrebniak, and then Pogrebniak says, no, I'm not going, and pay me my full <laughs> amount of money. I mean, we'll come back to that later on. on. Yeah, don't comment just... on your own team. Okay, so <laughs> we're going to go out <laughs> to a break right now, uh, and we're going to come back with, we have our, our, our we're going to speak about uh, Super Bowl, we're going to speak uh, about the Moscow Open chess competition, and um, yeah, and just like basically catch up and see what's been going on in the world of, uh, well, sports business. But we're going to play it with a very, very good song. Anyone who's ever played FIFA games, we're speaking with, you can't even speak about FIFA, so anyone who's ever played it, they'll know this uh, group called Junior Senior. Okay, they'll know the song Move Your Feet because this is a staple of stadia around America. You also hear the like, ice hockey games at the KHL here, and it's regularly on the Man United playlist. It's a real mix of old school and a bit of pop rap. So we're going to play out to the break with Junior Senior and Move Your Feet. Capital Sports with Alan Moore.
продукты питания и напитки со всего света на международной юбилейной выставке Продэкспо. Правильные рецепты для успешного бизнеса с 5 по 9 февраля. Москва. Экспоцентр на Красной Пресне. Информация для специалистов на prod-expo.ru. 18+. With Alan Moore. And we're back. We hope you enjoyed that last segment and a nice little catchy tune to play us out. Uh, so, how about this? Chess and American football. So, that's not bad. Yeah, it depends on what kind of chess is it reporting on it. Yeah, of course, we had to report on every single sport here on Capital Sports on Moscow's Capital FM. And with us in the studio still is Nikita Osaka. He hasn't run away after our bottom talk. So, <laughs> we're getting worse week on week out. It's getting worse. Um, okay, okay, do you want to lead the, yes, Yeah, you lead I'll it. I'll lead the chess in. Last week, the 14th Moscow Open Chess Tournament was held out at the Russian State Social University. It's one of the big events in Russia chess calendar. Yeah, like the Kremlin Cup for tennis. Well, kind of. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will not answer that, okay? Okay, that's fair enough. Well, listen, um, I was very lucky not to get beaten up by the youngest ever Grandmaster Russia's uh, Sergei Karyakin. Why? Tell Why is that? I'll tell you after. It's all about uh, an article I wrote that was not very flattering about him that he sort of noted uh, and also with the president of FIDA or the International Chess Federation Kirsan Ilyumzhinov uh, who wants to talk about football and best of all both men listen to us so that's not a bad listener profile for Capital Sports So who's up first? Okay first it'll be Kirsan uh, I asked him about his role about football um, his role of course in chess he, about football and he told me about his involvement with Uralan Elista where of course uh, a friend of our show Alexis Martin played I also asked him about the chances of chess becoming an Olympic sport because uh, Kirsan actually got it recognised as an actual sport and finally what he expects from Russia at this summer's FIFA World Cup here is the president of FIDA Kirsan Ilyumov you know that I was founder of football team football club Uralan I was founder and I, I was president of this football club and in 1998 uh, football club Uralan won the cup of Russia and Uralan became the champion of Russian league and Alexei Smertin that time was a captain of Roland and Leonid Slutsky that time was a second coach of Roland and after that you know Leonid Slutsky was chief coach of team of Russian Federation and Alexei Smertin also was the captain of Russian football team and you know that in 1998 we built the first chess city in the world and chess palace in Kalmykia. In 1998 we organized World Chess Olympiad in Kalmykia and 2000 chess players from 129 countries came to Kalmykia. Yeah, we opened Kalmykia for the world and the world opened to, uh, to Kalmykia. Huh? Any Irish players came to Kalmykia? Yeah, yeah, many from 129 countries and many teams from England, from Wales, from, from many from many countries. Yeah. Okay, we have to do it again because we'll get lots of players in from Ireland for sure. Um, the Moscow Open, of course, in Ergesu has yeah. just finished. What do you view the quality of this Moscow Open? How, how would you put on an, an international rating? Now, I remind the history of uh, this Moscow Open. 14 years ago, the rector of 
for Russian Social State University. We organized uh, Moscow Open here, and nobody that time uh, believed that this Moscow Open uh, became traditional. Many, many chess players want to take part in this uh, international tournament, and I know many grandmasters who started his uh, uh, chess career here, started from Moscow Open. For example, uh, Sergei Karyakin or uh, the European uh, champion grandmaster Nesta Narkiev. He started from here and also he graduated uh, this uh, university. Now he's a uh, famous uh, chess player. He's a president of Chess Federation of uh, Indusetia. In this is Republic in South part of Russian uh, Federation. And I wish the organizers of this tournament organize every year Moscow Open here in Moscow. Should chess be in the Olympics as a sport again? Uh, this is a very difficult question because in 95, uh, 23 years ago, when first time I was elected as a president of the World Chess Federation, and that time FIDE was not recognized as a sport federation, and chess not rec recognized as a sport. And I um, thank uh, Juan Antonio Samaranch, former uh, president of International Olympic Committee. In 1999, International Olympic Committee recognized chess as a sport, and FIDE recognized as an international sport uh, federation, and FIDE represents chess players and chess in uh, sport and Olympic uh, uh, movement. And several times uh, we met with the leaders of International Olympic Committee. And you know this is the problem because according to the rules of um, Olympic uh, uh, Games, uh, this is uh, need some muscle uh, strength. This is used exactly. for, vi uh, for summer or winter. But now maybe uh, we have chance to be in winter Olympic Games because there are not so many uh, games that are sports yeah. or if they add to the rules of the Winter Olympic Games, mind games, yes, uh, sport and, and uh, mind sport uh, games. And we, I think we have chance to be in Olympic Union. But every second year we organize uh, International Chess Olympiad and uh, thousands of chess players from about 200 countries usually take part in our uh, Olympiad. Well, let's hope it will be in the Olympics soon. And one final question, how will Russia do at the World Cup this year in football? Uh, I wish our Russian team to win this World Cup. This also, I'd like to say thank you. That was the president of FIDE or the World Chess Federation, Kirsan Ilyumzhinov, and he also told me some things off the record that he will repeat in the studio. Oh, he'll visit us. Yeah, he promised oh. he will. So I'm looking forward to it. Now, next up is Sergei Karyakin, a graduate of the university where that competition was taking place last week. Uh, I asked him about how important chess is to him and in general to education and development of uh, young people. What's it done for him especially? And also about football and especially, I asked him well, I didn't even ask him. He's told me what, who, like, which is his favourite club, his uh, his football buddies, and of course, Russia's, Russia's chances in the World Cup. So here is Sergei Karyakin. You're here today for the Moscow Open, the closing ceremony for the children's tournament. How important is chess in the development of children? Well, I think it's very important because uh, chess is uh, helping kids to grow up faster, to make your brains better. I don't know how to say it. <laughs> you said it quite well. <laughs> yeah. And uh, when I was very young, I felt that uh, chess helps me a lot. And even when I go to school, when I was young, it was very easy for me to concentrate what teacher says. And I felt like I'm better than the other kids who doesn't play chess. <laughs> Sergey, it, now, Manny, I, I come from back in the boxing. So many yeah. boxers like Lennox Lewis, Muhammad Ali, 
uh, and myself, we, we all play chess just for fun. How important is chess in the development, say, for other sports people? Do you think it's useful not just for education but for concentration? Yes, I think I think it's useful for for concentration for your brains, as I said. And <laughs> I know many sportsmen, many football players who who is playing chess to to think and not only to run. <laughs> That's so, yeah. it, it, perfect. Uh, so of course, now you you brought up football, I didn't. So this year, of course, is the World Cup of football in Russia. It's been a long, hard journey to get here, and we're almost there. So, what do you think are the chances for the the Russian team, first of all? Well, honestly speaking, I don't think that uh, we have a great chances for the first place, but at least I believe we we can qualify and we can try to show our best and we will have a lot of support here, it's, it's clear. And I can say that uh, my favorite team is Spartak. Uh, oh. <laughs> yes, they are current champions and uh, I was happy to, to visit many matches of, uh, of them last year and I am kind of friends with Glushakov, who is the main forward of, Dennis, of them. Yeah. Yeah, Dennis, and also I'm in touch with Artyom Arebrov, who is now unfortunately is not playing because he has uh, problems with with his leg. But anyway, I'm in touch with uh, with the Spartak team, and I, I wish Spartak all the best. And basically, I wish the Russian team all the best. Well, listen, will you be here on the fourth of March? Unfortunately, I'm preparing now to the very important tournament in, in March. Right now I'm concentrated about it very much. Okay. What is your aim personally for this year, for 2018? I want to be world champion. That's my goal. Uh, two years ago I was close because I won a candidate tournament and then I played a match where I was leading, but unfortunately at the end I lost. So first I want to win the candidates and second I want to win the match. We, we do hope as well because it'll be good for you, good for Russia and good for chess as well. Thank you, Sergey. Okay, and as we were listening to that uh, interview uh, with uh, Sergey Kardaikin, uh, Nikita, you had a, an interesting little piece about Sergey. Well, yeah, actually, I think Sergey has been really successful in promoting his personal uh, brand, which is called like celebrity marketing. And I guess from the interview, you kind of get the impression that Sergey is a bit of a shy guy that might be a bit nervous taking up interviews. But actually, he's been really successful. And one of the things that actually one of the innovations and in, chess sponsorship was that Sergey Karakin was actually one of the first people to put on a logo of a sponsored brand on his sleeve when he was playing chess, which a lot of people actually said that's mocking chess tradition and stuff like that. And, and even actually at this place, I mean, he just came in, he sat down with like kids, kids were going crazy. He was like a superstar. He was like a, a, a like a, I don't know, like a, he cut a bitch cover walking into a room full of tennis kids. Like they're all just going crazy, wanting like selfies and autographs. He spent so much time doing it. He smiled, he posed, he shook hands. He was just an- Oh, that's cool. Yeah. I mean, I mean I, that's like, Exactly, Great he, he had no need to do it, and he did it. And as he said, he, he said himself, like he didn't say obviously an interview. He said like, I asked him, is that tough? He goes, no, not really. He said that's just what I do. He said because I want, I, I want to for these kids to play chess. So I mean, he spent so much time. He didn't turn down a single autograph, a single selfie. He stayed oh, there until a... every last kid. I mean, twenty odd minutes, you know. And he did interviews with everybody. And with the one in English, he spe he was meant to go up to a, like a, a banquet afterwards. He said, yeah, no, no, that's no. amazing, such a respect to his like fans. Exactly. And I think it's really genuine because you get the impression that he's really a likable guy. And yeah. Listen, what was what was that? Uh, how much 
did you get for that patch, roughly? From speaking? what I read, it was close to one million US dollars, and it actually helped finance the training camp for Karakin before his showdown with Magnus Carlsen for the last uh, year. For, yeah, for the title. Uh, not oh. bad, but I'm sure that was nothing to compare what was spent on the ends at Super Bowl. Oh yeah, good segue. <laughs> well done, Katarina. So last weekend, of course, it's the Super Bowl. We've been following this closely uh, at the behest of a lot of our listeners. So, um, of course, it was a big, big showdown. A man looking for his sixth Super Bowl title, quarterback and aging titan Tom Brady. He was leading his New England Patriots up against the Philadelphia Eagles. And uh, it didn't go according to the script because the Patriots did not win, correct? Yes. Oh, depends yeah. who is scripted. 41, yeah. 31, 41, 33, something That's like that. That's right. It was a. Spot on. Yeah, it was. A, it was a, I, I mean, I stayed up and watched it. I was dying at the end of the match because it, it started 2 30 our time. Everybody watched because of uh, Justin Timberlake, probably. <laughs> yeah, I actually don't remember. I was making tea when, when the halftime show came on. I mean, how much. Do you know how much it costs? Do you want to take a guess? I'm just, I'm just curious. Okay, a, th- a 30 second Super Bowl ad yeah. at half time. I think it's something around $5 million. What about you, Katya? I don't want to guess. Like, I mean, I, I for me, it's always tough to say numbers like this. <laughs> what? What do you say? Five million? Five million. Yeah. Okay, just higher or lower? Higher or lower? Mm, it's United States. I could be higher. Like higher. Six. <laughs> No, it's close to five million. It's just uh, roughly above five million. You knew so. that. Ali. I didn't. I, yeah, I swear to God, that. I didn't. I you swear always to God. cheat. <laughs> <laughs> My partner's accusing you of cheating. Thank you very much for your trust. <laughs> who's the one who was uh, who was away on holidays on her own last week? Yeah, yeah. And I was like left okay, on my own. The one so. I get a second <laughs> guess. <laughs> she just hit me by the way in the studio. Gotcha. Sorry, how do you think how many ads <laughs> were run during the Super Bowl? Oh, I. Oh. How many ads? During the whole game. Yeah, especially if you know that 30 seconds of them cost 5 million US dollars. Mm, that's a good question. I know listeners are busy trying to figure it out. It, we, it has to be like kind of like... Is, is it like, I, I even don't know where to start, which number? Yeah, like I'm... 3, 3, 2, 0. I have no idea. 50 ads? A hundred. No, no that's way. what I wanted to say, around yeah, 150. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, but this is states, they always, like, they, they put commercial break, everywhere. Yeah, for yeah. every single break. Yeah, so you multiply time. that, five million and a hundred, you get 500 million euros, uh, dollars, did, did, dollars in ever, revenue. Have you ever watched, like, any movie or any, like, sports show at the uh, United yeah. States? Yeah, yeah it's they like break every, 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 every formula. Yeah, it's unbelievable. Uh, it's, 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 it's impossible. You, you can't follow it. It actually even, like, I'm, I'm a big fan of, like, American sports coverage. Like, I mean, they they do it right most of the time um, but my god I mean it's it, and even when I was living in Canada you'd watch like the like for example like The Simpsons like you yeah. know the show so at home we'd have like one break in the middle that's it like same as here and but Russia TV has gone away kind of the same as well like every five minutes there was a break and two hours and then back and you know I I ended up I couldn't watch it. Yeah, I know, I know. It, it's it really it's mission impossible to watch any movie or something there, like any TV show. Nothing works because every really two three minutes you have to watch commercial, and it's more than two three minutes. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> that's that's it, it, the point. It, it just goes on and on and on. I mean, but I mean the, the Super Bowl itself. I mean, it was it was a terrific finish to the match. I mean, I did think it was going to go into overtime. Tom Brady, he was leading his team, like you know, he's pushing them forward at the end of the match, um, and with Gronkowski as well. I mean, they had a great drive right at the very very end and just like kind of but ran out of steam why they didn't shake the hands at the end uh, um, I don't know because Brady stormed off he stormed off and didn't do it I mean I, I think it's you know intense we've discussed this before we don't oh, shake yeah, hands after a match yeah I mean you've done it but at the same time for me I think 
it showed a kind of a, um, a sour sense of, of, of this man, like of, of Tom Brady. I mean, and I don't know, but then again, you know, we weren't in his mind. I mean, he's devastated. He's devastated. He's like 40 years of age. He might not get another year out of it, but who knows I mean and and he had a lot of questions around him as well like about where he's going to be but um, I mean what what other like numbers jumped out at you from the study of the Super Bowl what other financial figures did you look well, at well like, I'll just run you by what's interesting um, starting from 2010 so that's like nine Super Bowls in a row the TV audience of the game has surpassed the amount of 100 million viewers in no the US way. so just to compare like last year uh, the most watched uh, TV show episode was the season finale of Game of Thrones, and that was only 16 million. Jesus, oh, it's, it's like five times. Uh, roughly, yeah, even actually a bit more. And still, the Super, the 52nd Super Bowl uh, is still considered not that successful because it's a seven percent decline from the viewership of last year. Whoa. Yeah, exactly. And uh, uh, as well, but that also follows a general trend that we see the NFL actually being—it's uh, dropping down yeah, a lot, yeah, losing the popularity yeah, 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 a bit. True. And that's caused by uh, different issues, actually. One of them being the league and the players becoming a bit political last year with yeah, them kneeling down Kaepernick during the anthem yeah. and stuff like that. So we're, we're actually seeing a decline in popularity of the NFL, but still compared to the other commercial produce that you have in the U.S., it's still a force to be reckoned with, for okay. sure. All right, listen, on that NFL theme, we're going to go out to uh, another break. Um, coming up after a break, we'll have football and rugby and a chat all going well with Andrew Flint. Um, we're going to go out with a song that's featured in the Kevin Costner movie Draft Day and using sports events on Sky when they're trying to like, pump up fans for watching games. It's Red Light King and Born to Rise. Capital Sports with Alan Moore. So what you know about sacrifice when the lights go out, the price you pay when you're digging down, skin of your teeth and a pain in your back, what you know about hope, what you know about that, ride it off as criminal, a place to cast a stone, on and on we carry on when one is not enough, we're the ones who are born to ride.
with Alan Moore. You're back and you're listening to Capital Sports coming live from Moscow's Capital FM studios here in downtown Moscow. So, I'm Alan Moore. Are you Katarina Pishkova? Yeah, I'm here. <laughs> she's still here laughing away. Nikita Sokin's still here. So her. I have good yeah. mood up. Yeah, she's very, very happy. She's greased up um, <laughs> in every sense. Uh, sorry. A question has come in from Ruminator. That's Ruminator. He, he, this is, well, for, for Kat, he says, I don't believe only Russians dope because this we were speaking with last year or last last, uh, year. last, last year as well yeah <laughs> we were actually we yes. were we were um, uh, but what sports are most messed up and he says ask Katya tennis is doping bad there different oh. question answer <laughs> straight back in after <laughs> well, a break uh, yeah well I love the questions like this because uh, you never can answer I mean I, I, I never did or try anything so what, what can I say well, we can all all we can predict something, or we like we can like pretend we know something, or we can like oh, we always can uh, say that oh yeah because uh, he won like 15 or 22 Grand Slams he's using doping but it's just like it's just words speculation uh, what speculation yeah speculation and it's just like I mean uh, well you can understand that probably anyway uh, all the sportsmen not only tennis players work with. Uh, uh, professional and private doctors and it's uh, like it's the fact what are they doing <laughs> with these doctors we have no clue so I mean it's just like you're, you're just asking like, a question leaving a wide open question because a couple of weeks ago you were like asking questions like well how are these guys slimming down but yet getting stronger <laughs> that's like <laughs> you're, yeah, but that's, yeah, but you're yeah, asking yeah, a very yeah, good question well uh, because no even for me when I was like I got older like as a sportsman, you know, after 25, 26, it's just about the rehabilitation. So it's really, it gets uh, much, much... Recovery. Uh, yeah, the recovery, yeah. It, it, it goes like so slow. Uh, and uh, that's why you have to, you have to find someone who will help you to do it legally. And you can do it legally, but uh, you can like mix some vitamins or something like that. So what the... Super people do <laughs> with the doctors. I have no ideas. Nikita Sokin, he's, he's he's looking a bit like uh, askance, shall we say? Yeah, I mean, it's word, uh, yeah, you can be sarcastic he's and whatever, bad. but that's true fact. I mean, we can. Uh, uh, I, I think you know the story about uh, Rafael Nadal. Yeah, that one of the um, minister of France, one mm-hmm. lady. She like, yeah, she she was a, like actually like. She said that oh this guy who is using all the time doping so and uh, and she it really was somewhere well, yes yeah, public and worldwide he sued her and won yes because and he they won. had no they had no proof of him actually doping because they didn't release the uh, so that's it. the files from uh, Spain because of the morale the, uh, yeah, yeah, Fuentes so. Fuentes blood doping that they had like Nadal was in and <laughs> Barcelona and so on and she just said it like he's there working yeah, there yeah and so and easy like, you know, like I mean, it was like that was a stupid thing to say I love French people actually yeah, <laughs> that, I think that's a bad precedent because I mean we have a saying in Russia if you're not caught you're not a thief and I think <laughs> I think it's established uh, in a good country. system. <laughs> but this is the whole thing. It's like it's this. Um, like you said, like I will, I will never test positive. It's like, mm, really? You know, <laughs> it's like that's you're putting Sounds a like challenge. a challenge. Yes, yeah, exactly. <laughs> catch up. This is a guy, of course, who trains with like guys who are caught with doping products. He trained. He trained in uh, the Nike 
uh, project over in Oregon, Eugene, Oregon, in America, where the head guy Salazar was injecting his own son with hormones, like with uh, testosterone. So, to, so he's been working with all these like dirty doping people. Had accelerated as a as a runner, way past when you normally like hit your peak. And then he just turns around and says, I'll never... And of course, he missed lots of tests. He missed tests where he didn't hear the doorbell. Like, the testers are ringing his doorbell. And he said, yeah, it, oh, I was yeah, upstairs, no, I didn't hear that. No. It's like, come on, dude. <laughs> like, don't, give a different defense. But, but you know that they can come every, uh, anytime. Yeah. This is just ridiculous. Because Sveta Kuznetsova yeah, was telling me... in should, the middle of the night. They could, yeah, like yeah, 4 a.m., yeah. you know, you... you, you but you get this doorbell and exactly that's why we were discussing say like well with Alexis Sanchez who moved from uh, Arsenal to Manchester United he missed the doping test because the Arsenal basically said oh when he was going he went to do his medical and we we forgot to update where he was going now that's that I would actually understand that but then this season in England this like 12 months Manchester City's players have been three times missing tests like where the testers came and the club didn't tell them where they were it's like Manchester City three times three times which oh, okay. immediately means a ban that's it a ban like or else you fight it so Manchester City of course uh, who are coached by Pep Guardiola who himself had a little bit of an issue in Italy with uh, doping and failing tests and so on so it's like kind of guys the image is not very very good you know but I don't know but okay you two have gone very very quiet you're worried because no, you, I was just thinking about the think? talents that they, oh, they always get troubles, you know, it doesn't matter if it's Sarah like betting Rani. or, no, no, I mean, match fixing and yeah, match doping, fixing and doping and they're just like, really, they just, they did, now they're Italians, like, you know, but yeah. as, as Nikita said, if you're not caught, you're not a criminal. You know? Not a thief. Oh, not a thief, excuse me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, right. I didn't go that far. You took it. <laughs> yeah, I did. Well, listen, talking about like questionable growth of players and so on, the Rugby Six Nations came back in uh, last weekend, kicked off. Uh, England absolutely walloped. They walloped Italy 46 15 over in Rome. Wales really did a number on Scotland. They beat them 34 7. But the match of the weekend, well, not just for me, but everyone really enjoyed it and it was called the uh, sext bomb um, match it was Ireland beating France in France 15-13 basically it was the last seconds already two minutes almost three minutes overtime played so the next break in play that was it the match was going to finish Ireland couldn't they had 41 phases of play where they moved the ball forward or moved the ball 41 times and couldn't get close enough so they passed it back to number 10 Jonathan Sexton hence sex bomb and he kicked uh, uh, basically just out of his hands like a colour drop goal yeah I, I, I knew I would have to do it he he drop kicked a goal from 42 metres out it was unbelievable with the French forwards chasing and running around. he just like picked it up and boom over straight between the posts because Ireland were leading 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 and then just like uh, France got a, a breakaway try well deserved try by the way and uh, you know kind of broke French hearts now of course a lot of Irish people don't really care that much about French like after Thierry Henry's handball goal back in 2009 it would have been or yeah 2009 2009 so I mean but still it was a, it was a good performance so it sets up this weekend uh, Ireland play Italy in um, the Aviva Stadium in Dublin that's kicking off on Saturday at 5.15pm Moscow time after that then is a huge showdown between England and Wales this for me is going to be where the championship is uh, decided. That's at 7.45 Moscow time, England playing Wales, both teams unbeaten and Wales are a good team but we'll both see what... teams unbeaten? Yeah, yeah, well they both won the first game so they, like because if you win all your matches, beat every team, you win the Grand Slam. If uh, one of the uh, Ireland, England, the Scotland... The fifth one? The fifth one? <laughs> the fifth one? Yeah, we have four. 
Ah, okay. Should be fifth one. Oh, the fifth one. Okay, <laughs> no, we'll come back to it. And uh, and then at six o'clock on Sunday, Scotland play France uh, at home. So that's going to be that's going to be a, a pretty pretty good game as well. But Scotland need to come back. Um, so listen, just uh, one thing. You were looking uh, just talk about like ratings and so on. Where the ratings for the Six Nations were you know, pretty strong last weekend. But you were talking about the uh, Russian TV viewership before we we came on air and uh, at major football tournaments. You did a study uh, in the in in the center right. from a ten year study from two thousand six two thousand sixteen the major tour yeah, that, that's that right. yeah. was it that Russia took part in or gen- each one no it was definitely not, like TV viewership TV in viewership Russia, on Russian channels okay so without Russia be, of whether Russia, Russia, Russia was there or not so what what did you find out what interesting things did you did you discover well first of all just as a matter of courtesy this is a joint uh, research with our colleagues from the University of Leuven in Belgium so. Just so that I don't get lynched after this. Leuven uh, is a great place, by the way. Gorgeous, the be- the most wonderful nightlife you'd ever want to meet. Beautiful city. So, I mean, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. So basically, what we looked at as determinants of viewership in Russia of m- major football tournaments. So basically, what makes Russian was watch this game over the other, and so we looked at the two broad set of variables, which was uh, game specific variables, which you basically cannot control, which is the amount of goals they're scoring, their direct cards and so on and so forth and the scheduling specific variables uh, which are actually can be predicted before the match and are known before the match and therefore you can use them to predict a possible outcome of the TV audiences so that is what we actually looked at in a general perspective so I'll just run you by the most interesting findings that we were able to find so first of all uh, the opening game as a some sort of special exclusive spectacle it attracts an additional 1.8 million viewers on average Ooh. which is pretty huge if the average uh, audience for these sort of tournaments is about 8 million per so match. you're touching towards 10 million yeah yeah so that uh, time of broadcast is very is a very sensitive va- uh, variable so if you uh, uh, I guess broadcast a match during the prime time which is about 9 till 11 p.m you'll get an additional million viewers. And what was the thing they said about the Spartak players? If a Spartak player yeah, is yeah, in that, the, that, that's the foreign team. Thing. Uh, we've noticed that uh, foreign teams that have a Spartak player in their squad, in their 23-man squad, they actually generate an additional 900,000 viewers. 900,000. Yeah, and that's huge. And that actually gives you an understanding of how big the Spartak supporter base is and how actually it's close to his players, even if the, those players aren't playing for, are not playing for Russia. And what about Dinamo? Um, no significant results for any other. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're going to have to. Uh, that's interesting. We'll have to see actually how Lokomotiv for this year because they'll have Eder and uh, Fernandez and well. Farfan as well playing. So it's going to be good. Yeah, it would be interesting. Yeah. But listen, in terms of um, like, what what would you reckon like about like say advertising revenue for TV audience like uh, you know like say okay just say even in in Russia this year like I mean what about TV TV audiences like will it. Like, will it be? Will Russia get a bump because it's here, or will it be much emotions? Yeah, definitely. Because first of all, the games are going to be scheduled uh, at a time which is more convenient for Russians. Because in Brazil, you had a lot of matches that were broadcast at three a.m. and most people. And the final, of course, like continues on at like two a.m. Yeah, so it really constrained the viewership in Russia. So that's the first thing. Second of all, it's happening in Russia. You're going to have a curiosity effect as well because most people haven't even actually seen the stadiums even on, on the television yeah, yeah. of the new stadium. So people might tune in just to see what the stadium actually looks like and whether or not there's a, an HD cam.
somewhere there as well. Good. Something like that. So, yeah. Uh, so we're predicting that the uh, World Cup in 2018, so this year, is going to be the most successful in the, in the last 10 years in terms of viewership in Russia. So in, in, in the history of Russian football, it's going to be the, the best? Well, why, with the sample we're, de we're dealing with, starting from 2006, yeah, compared to that, I think it definitely... Excellent. Okay. Nikita Sokin, thank you very much for joining us this evening. Thank, thank you, you for having me. Okay. You, Katrina, thank you too. Alan. That's uh, wonderful. So we'll go off and talk about, I don't know, bottoms or wherever it is like later on. So, um, again. so folks, we'll be back again next week. So in the meantime, we're going to play it with a kind of a, a good song. Again, a kind of from FIFA uh, FIFA 12 soundtrack. It's used everywhere from sports, cheerleaders, ice hockey, basketball, football. It's going to get you moving on this like cold cold Moscow night so we'll play it out and enjoy it and we'll talk to you next week this is Kevin Rudolph and let it rock Capital Sports with Alan Moore I see your dirty face
latest news next. All my ladies. All my ladies, wind to the left, sway to the right, drop it down low and take it back high. No, I don't need introduction. Follow my simple instruction. Wind to the left, sway to the right, drop it down low and take it back high. No, I don't need introduction. Follow my simple instruction. You see me, I do what I gotta do. Oh yeah. I'm the guest, there's no need to queue. Oh yeah. Me and my crew, we got the juice. Oh yeah. I am the boss. Buy anything, I don't care what it costs. Stack like a casino, I'm money casino. If you're the supreme, then I'm Diana Ross. All my ladies, wind to the left, straight to the right, drop it down low and take it back high. No, I don't need introduction. Follow my simple instruction. Wind to the left, straight to the right, drop it down low and take it back high. No, I don't need introduction. Follow my simple instruction. Step one. Report to the dance floor when I say, oh yeah. Step two. Tell mom you'll be out too late. You are the boss. Buy anything, you don't care what it costs. Act like a casino, a money casino. If you're the supreme, then I'm Diana Ross. All my ladies, wind to the left, sway to the right, drop a down low and take it back high. No, I don't need introduction. Follow my simple instruction. Wind to the left, sway to the right, drop a down low and take it back high. No, I don't need introduction. Follow my simple instruction. Yo, send me up everything we want. Put it on me. The dad not the realest star, cause she don't play It's the same love all the way me do me thing Girl love it, but fuck, but for it Girl love it, stop, 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 for it Bad girl, bad girl, no for the thing No for the thing, say no for the thing Bad girl, bad girl, mashing up the thing Mash up the thing, burn him Say that you're boss because you are the boss Buy anything, you don't care what it costs Stack like a casino, I'm on your casino If you're the supreme, then I'm Diana Ross All my ladies, 